0: Resilient Disciples Podcast, powered by Juana. I'm your host, Ross Cochran. Thank you for listening. I have a sense that many of us have begun to picture what ministry after the coronavirus is going to look like. With that in mind, I feel like it's my responsibility to bring people on who I know can help articulate for you what your ministry might look like after this crisis, but also practitioners and leaders and folks who can help inspire you on what your ministry might look like even right now. That's why I was so excited to connect with Melanie Hester. You've heard Melanie on this podcast before, but she is a leader and an expert communicator who also has decades of experience in children's ministry. And this is actually gonna be a two-part episode. First, you're gonna hear part of the conversation between Melanie and myself. Then, through the magic of podcasting, we're going to move to a conversation that Melanie had with Karen Palmer, who is a one Ministry Director from Boca Raton, Florida. Before we start, though, I do wanna remind you that we would love to hear from you directly. If you call our voicemail line at 630-289-5353 and leave a story about how God has blessed your ministry during this time, how something you've learned about yourself or the kids in your life during the coronavirus, share your challenges, your success stories. I would also encourage you to just share what you wanna hear from this podcast. After all, we are here to partner with you. Thank you again for listening. Here is episode 27 of the Resilient Disciples podcast. How are you doing?
1: Oh man, um I'm hanging in there. I am um I'm loving what is being dredged up in me as to what I should spend my time on. I feel like the it's it's both uh invigorating and also painful at the same time, you know, anytime God kind of causes our, our routines and our life structure to be, well, in this, camp, this instance, completely destroyed. Um, you know, there's often opportunity for us to see something that he's, he has for us um, in, in what is no longer there. But, but in all reality, like my days are filled with um, a six-year-old who has to have school at home and in an absolutely incredible two-year-old that is every bit of two. Um, in all the wonderful and adventurous ways. Um, you know, so that looks like uh, I had 10 minutes of peace and quiet uh, that I, I thought I was going to work and came out to realize <clears throat> that she had taken one of my house plants and dumped the soil all over the couch. So that's oh. what my life looks like right now. Um, but in the midst of that, like there's this odd, like, it is what it is. Like, God, yeah. this is okay. Like, God, you've got us in this. So, so I hesitate to say I'm hanging in there. But, but I also don't want it to sound like I feel like I got it all together because neither one of those is true. It's this sure. really odd space that I feel like I'm sitting in where yeah. everything feels weird and broken, yet it's okay.
0: Yeah. No, exactly. And I think, like, it's such a helpful place to say those types of things out loud because I've definitely had moments of trying to do everything and then yeah. also I've had moments of um, feeling like putting jeans on was an accomplishment. Um, <laughs> right. And I think the reason we have to sit there is because it's such a global thing that they're right. like, we are all feeling that way. Right. And right. it doesn't matter what your Instagram influencer of choice is showing as the schedule that they have for their children. Odds sure. are there's a couch somewhere in their house that has soil on it. I want to address a few different things with you particularly that I think some of our listeners and folks that are connected to this ministry are beginning to feel, um, awesome. which is life after the coronavirus is going to be a thing.
1: Yes, it However,
0: will. However, <laughs> this experience is going to mark this generation of children for the rest of their lives, and as such, the conversations we were already having about the Church of twenty fifty about resilient child discipleship. It really has kind of crystallized a lot of these conversations because now we're not saying, oh, there's a mountain range of problems, which is the language from the book. It's, oh, how do we respond to coronavirus? So in your experience, and your connection to children's ministry practitioners, how has success been defined and how is that conversation beginning to change completely independent of the coronavirus?
1: So for me specifically, when I was the children's director, it felt like um, there were so many things that I needed to accomplish, which was um, growth in the amount of kids that came, which meant that that growth indicated that we had more families coming. Right. And, and I had to host events to be able to expose people to our church so that they may even consider, you know, coming. But then I also had to host those events to be able to retain the the individuals that were coming so that we could, you know, not have this constant, you know, back and forth. And so I think it, it, to me, um, at least in, in my experience, uh, those things are really tangible. They were easier for me to grasp because I was like, um, uh, this is what I need to do and this is how I need to do it. And it felt like, um, because I had a little bit more control over those, I would say personally, I I, I sat in that far more than I sat in the space of, um, what am I doing to intentionally develop and nurture and disciple these kids uh, so that when they become college students or they become parents or they become governors um, they have been given the foundation of faith that flowed out from me right and so it's not that I never sat there but if I were to again success and metrics if I were to measure how much time I spent doing events and trying to attract families to my church and how much time I spent crafting opportunities for discipleship, the events would far outweigh the opportunities for discipleship.
0: Sure. Okay. And what's interesting too, and this relates back to the moment that we're in is that there's just been so much expectation placed on this community. The Resilient, the book makes the point. Um, and I've done this. I've done this since I've worked at one. I've done this since I've read the book Resilient. I check my daughter into the children's ministry. I'm getting her out of the children's ministry. And the first question I ask is, did you have fun? And I think the book in particular makes a really important caveat, which it says that is not a bad question. And actually Chris Marchand made this point in a podcast, which is that is not a bad question. It's just not the right first question. Sure. Why is that not the right first question?
1: Oh man. Well, I'm going to, I'm gonna pull this right back on you um, because you gave me the example. Why Ross, when your children come out of children's ministry, why is that your first question? And don't think of this as whether it's good or bad, but think of it in your role as a dad, in your role of what it looks like for uh, you and your family to engage in church. Why is it that, did you have fun, is the first question that that comes stumbling off of your lips.
0: It's It's probably because, I am seeing that as the short-term win, that while I'm going through the big serious adult church, that if my daughter had fun and had an engaging time, then she's walking away from church with a mm-hmm. healthy view of it while Positive I'm processing. Yeah. Yep.
1: She's going to want to go back. Right. Right. So when we look at this long-term engagement, part of what we know to be true about ourselves is that if I'm going to do something long-term, I'm going to need to enjoy it, right? <laughs> that's why they say the best space for you to live in when you want to try to create some sort of like a physical routine, like physical exercise for yourself, is to enjoy what you're doing, right? So if you hate to run, don't run. Like that's not <laughs> the way to get your exercise in. And so I think we should recognize that asking the question, did you have fun? is actually something that we should say, but it shouldn't be the first question. Let it be like down the list as, as you engage with, what did it look like for you to worship today? Because we know that worship can be, you know, both song or through scripture or through prayer. Like, let's ask them, maybe they had a lesson on worship that day. Um, what did it look like for you to talk to your leader? Did you, did you pray out loud? Um, did you guys, yeah, there's so many different things you can unpack. And then in there, did you enjoy it? did you have fun and because if they say no like it was really boring then what what can be pulled out of that is that the environment that's being created for kids to encounter the word of god it might not be engaging and yeah. and the engagement piece is what the heart of that question is getting at yeah but but it's not framed in the question so did they engage you is really what we as parents are asking when we say, did you have fun?
0: Yeah. The book talks about it as, as belonging, but belonging is not for adults, lasers and smoke screens and for children, uh, various kinds of candy. Belonging right. is relational. Belonging is heart. Right. But I heard an interesting framing of this, which is when you ask questions like, did you have fun first? Really what you're asking is, Sam Lewis made this point, which is you're asking, do you like the kid's pastor? Right? right? If he's asking kids, did you have fun? He's really asking a child, hey, do you like me? Yeah. Um, and it's like becoming creating this culture of fans of yeah. practitioners right. as opposed to followers of Jesus. So, you talked about this a little bit about those moments of trying to find that balance when you were leading children's ministries. But I'm also just in, um, you also are much more connected to this world than the average person. So, when kids' ministry leaders are about creating followers of Jesus rather than fans of themselves. What does their ministry look like when it's a ministry about making followers of Jesus, not just fans of the practitioner?
1: Oh man, um, uh, it's marked by excellence. It's, it's marked by intentionality. It's, it's marked by relationship. Um, I think at its very core, it's marked by the amount of time that that children's director or leader is spending in the word of God. And I know that for myself, um, I I could distinctly tell in the in the events that I ran, and in the that just the engagement that I had with kids, whether it was sports camp or whether it was VBS or whether it was um, in Iwana, um on on I think we had it on Sunday nights. I could distinctly tell when my engagement with them wasn't pouring out of the time that I had had with the Lord, mm. and so I think. Um, that, is, that is the first piece that, that often kind of gets set to the side because um, what you said earlier, which is there's a lot of expectations on the children's ministry. Um, and so I think when you walk into those ministries, what doesn't change is um, potentially the curriculum that you use and the way that you invest into your volunteers Um, what changes is that you recognize that the, the key to what's happening in that morning is the way that your volunteers are connecting with the children. Maybe it's in the midst of a worship set with a live band and maybe that live band helps to bring those children to a place of worship. Um, but, but what happens when the lights aren't working? Can discipleship still happen? Can worship still happen? Yes. What happens when our computers freeze because they always do on Sunday mornings when, when they're, um, we're sitting there and we've uploaded everything on Saturday or maybe Friday and Saturday was our, our Sabbath or our rest day. And then we come in on Sunday morning and the computer decided to update it. We don't know why because we updated it on Friday. Nothing is working. And we realize that how are we supposed to do ministry? Like This is where we talk about discipleship and the metrics of our success are not dependent upon the technology and the things that are around us. Discipleship happens because there is a loving, caring adult in the midst of children who, who that, that adult wants to pass on a legacy of faith. Amen. So, while the, while the tools that we have around us are important, and they help us to accomplish our mission, they are not the mission. Yeah. The mission is to build discipleship, to build disciples of Jesus, where then when they look into my eyes, they see the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. And that is poured out. They don't see the love of Christ through lights. They don't see it through the type of chairs that we have or even how loud the music is because that's something that I fought for a while at my church that I should not have done looking back.
0: To bring it more into this moment, um, we all have been given time. To your point earlier, not not free time, time. I'm I'm thinking about how there are these success stories that are popping up yeah right we're reading stories about how um grateful parents are to have you know their awana leader call their kid to check in on them or to what remote club stuff is looking like you were hosting webinars on awana's facebook yeah. all about this kind of moment that we're in yeah and i think that what's so clear about those the people that you talk to there is that those are folks who are are creating followers of Jesus they're not making yeah. they're not making fans of themselves yeah and that is why they're able to even in a time that is so unprecedented still figure out ways to disciple their kids so we're actually through the magic of podcasting we're going to actually move to a conversation you had with um, someone who is doing this well um, can you just as as a way of setup can you just tell me a little bit about not only the conversation you had with Karen but why you guys even wound up talking in the first place,
1: yeah, so Karen Palmer is an Iwana ministry director um, down in Boca Raton, Florida, and the church that um, she's at Boca Raton community church and uh, they're they are just they're doing incredible work in their community, uh, but I was connected to her, and we we jumped on a zoom call and and i'll be quite honest, the conversation that came out of it was absolutely ordained by the Lord, because I could not have, um, I could not have foreseen that that was what was going to be where we wound up. I just was wanting to hear from her of like, Hey, what are you doing as a WANA ministry director to help equip your, your church, your church, your volunteers to do a WANA during this remote season? And, and really, the, the gold nuggets that she, she kind of left us with was that um, they were having to reevaluate pretty much everything. Uh, they were having to see exactly what we just kind of talked about that is a one at, at home going to look the same as the Awana that happened in the doors of their churches. And and we kind of process through a lot of different things, but basically she comes to the conclusion that it can't look the same. Mm. Um, And and it just really, her wisdom and encouragement as as a mom and as a grandma and as a leader in her church of, again, connecting with each parent, and then also empowering her volunteers to serve and love in whatever capacity they feel comfortable. Um, it was just a really incredible conversation and to see what God is doing in their community right now.
0: So here's that conversation with Melanie and Karen.
1: I am thrilled to be here today with Karen Palmer. Karen, tell us a little bit about yourself and the ministry that you serve in.
2: Hi, Melanie. Well, I'm here in South Florida at Boca Raton Community Church. And I've lived here for about seven years. And so when I moved here, I started um, being a part of the Awana program here at Boca Community. I have three daughters, five grandkids, and my whole life is making sure that they know that I love them, but even more than that, that Jesus loves them. And I want them to grow up to know and love and to serve
1: Jesus. Amen. I love that. So tell me, how long have you been the Iwana Ministry Director at Boca Raton Church? I started
2: here, um, well, seven years ago. Um, I started with um, just kind of attending that first year, um, moving from group to group. I love all ages. My grandkids in all of the different parts of Iwana. That's
1: amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. It sounds like you've got such a breadth of experience there, which probably plays really well into today's circumstances because we are in unprecedented times, right, Karen? I mean, so would you help us, um, talk to us a little bit about like, what has it been like for your church to adjust to remote ministry in this season?
2: Well, I think that, um, we've done a great job. Um, the technical team at our church, um, were fabulous at um putting a live stream on and but they pretty much would work with um the adults we were kind of on our own trying to figure out how we were going to make this happen um, for our awana boys and girls and so we thought of so many different possibilities and i felt like how am I going to make a choice what's the best way to go how How can we do all of those different things and I feel like I was just overwhelmed with all of these different things that I knew nothing about. I think I'd been on a zoom call twice, and so you know that was all just really new to me, and so it was an overwhelming situation for me personally, and i um you know, shed a few tears thinking, oh my gosh, what are, what are we going to do? And, Hmm. you know, the Lord is very Hmm. faithful and, um, we decided to do a Facebook live. And so that worked well with different little clips that we could post. And I just have leaders that are awesome awesome leaders that just stepped right up and said, I can help. I can do this. I can do that. And so the Lord certainly knew that. And so what a blessing it was to all just come together and find out where different people are, their strengths and their different areas of expertise and what they're familiar with. So that was a real help to me.
1: That is awesome. So you've really seen your team come together in this place where you, you sat and, and probably felt significantly, like you said, overwhelmed, and yet you knew you weren't alone in that space. You utilized your volunteers. You utilized your leaders. You, you guys really came together to create a strategy that would, would, that would help to connect with the kids at home right now right. and and I think that's amazing because I, I think that that's exactly what all the leaders all over the world have been doing in this space of like how many of you guys have been like oh, I do not know what to do and and one step at a time right it's like we're just gonna take care of this week and then after this week is over we'll think about what next week looks that's like, right right that's so talk awesome. talk to me a little bit about um As you've interacted with the parents of the kids in your club, what are they telling you that they need in this season of remote Awana? Well, I think that they need um,
2: not to be overwhelmed themselves because they already are. Everybody is throwing things at them. They're getting so much and they're just trying to do school trying desperately to make sure that that's covered because that's so important and they've got to do that. But it's all new. And like my daughter, she has um, a four-year-old. So that's one little piece and then a kindergartner and then a second grader. And she's just trying to navigate and do everything possible to make sure that she gets through those those pieces. And then with everybody else trying to give her more and more and more to do, it's just overwhelming for parents. So I think that we want to make sure that they feel that they are qualified to um, help their boys and girls um, navigate their Awana book And some of them have been very involved um, throughout the year and others, not so much. And so we want to help them so that their children can finish well. But we really, you know, the parents, we have to give them what they need in order to just daily walk with their child, not be overwhelmed, not be stressed out, but just walk with their child and that it's going to be great.
1: Absolutely. I mean, three of the, the major components of Awana, of the, the, the heartbeat of, of why this ministry even exists is to connect kids to a place where they feel like they belong right? And and to really help those children then uh, discover and unpack God's word and, and just the beautiful gift of salvation that's held within it and, and what it looks like to become more like the, the God of the universe that created us. And, and often that is done through the example of a leader who is showing them what that love of Christ looks like. And so what I, what I think I hear you saying is that we're looking at the home and we're realizing um, that some of those pieces are already fit in place, right? Like it, the parent might be that that leader, that adult, that example of resilient faith who's saying, come along with me. You know, in the physical club, maybe that looked like the volunteer, the leader who listened to verses, and, and that can still make that connection in this remote time. But maybe the parents just need to be utilized and, and challenge themselves to say, I'm going to embrace and and own what it looks like to help my child walk through their book.
2: Is that what I hear you saying? That's exactly right. Just to make sure that they know that they are very equipped, that they can do this and um, that we try our best to stay connected with that parent in order for them to know that um, we'll walk with them through this, that it doesn't have to overwhelm them. And it really doesn't have to overwhelm our leaders either, because they're, they're walking this road too. We're all in this together. So we don't want to overwhelm our leaders, but they still want that connection with their boys and girls. They see them every single week, and they want to make sure that their kids are okay, because not to see them for a few weeks is unsettling, especially in this environment right now.
1: I know I've, I've seen that and, and so many leaders have said balancing that has been the, the perfect compromise, right, of, of recognizing that the parent can listen to the verses and walk alongside the child right. through the book and sign those sections off. And then that allows the leader to connect in a really unique way, maybe throughout the week with a phone call or a postcard or maybe connecting with the parent through, through that phone call or FaceTime or um, you know, Zoom call or whatever that looks like. And then they can continue to build that relationship. And that's what I hear is working really the best. And I think that they're becoming,
2: recognizing that their role is an encourager, not just to the child anymore, because usually we see the children and basically just the children, but to also now be an encourager, encourager to the family, to the parent, to the single parent, to the grandparent. There's a lot of people involved here. So we have to make sure that they're not overwhelmed with all their tasks that we think that they need to do,
1: but instead, we'll walk with them and help them. Oh my goodness. Uh, to, to take that view and that, and that shift of just slight sh- like perspective, perspective shift of man, I'm I'm not just supporting this child in their spiritual journey, their spiritual development, this, this discipleship pathway that they have. I'm, I'm supporting the family through this, man. That's incredible. So Mm -hmm. Karen, as, as all these various pieces come together and you could offer so many different things as a resource, what is it that's helping you to stay grounded and focused on saying no to things that might be really good so that you can offer exactly what these families need? Pray
2: to know that God is faithful, to know that he's the one that will help us. Um, Because there is so much out there. And just to have more stuff isn't always the best way. I think we need to make sure that it's very simple, that we continue the connections that we have with our boys and girls more than um, giving them more things to do. They just need that connection to know that their leader loves them. Their leader is still there. Their leader is going to be there throughout this whole time with them. It might not look the same way. They might not be coming running into the gym, sitting on their rug, hanging out with their friends, but all of that is still possible as the leader connects with them. So I guess rather than trying to make choices of or glean through all kinds of different stuff, I just wanna make sure that that the boys and girls are reading their Bibles, if they have a um, devotional book, that they're reading that, and maybe this is a perfect time for family devotions, for the family to be together, and maybe to use their Awana book as family devotions, helping them to um, walk through those different stories, the different Bible lessons, And then to just, I think those connections to belonging together. Our Awana group is belongs together, but right now belonging looks just like this. Okay. And we are becoming strong disciples. It doesn't have to be done just one way and only one way. There's lots of different ways to be able to do that. And so we will help them find those ways. But I also think that. We need to find out what people need. You know, a single mom maybe has a different need than um, a family with four children. And so I think we need to come aso- um, alongside those families and find out where they are. What is it that they need? You know, and be very in tune and very focused on helping families as they wander through this arena right now it's um but what a blessing isn't that awesome that we have that opportunity i mean this is oh, amazing God. if we ever wanted so to develop our um parent um relationship now is i mean this wide open instead of sometimes just the awana students um and their leader being connected now it's a connection with their parents and with their families so that's it's birthed a lot of really amazing possibilities
1: I agree Karen and you just put that in such an incredible way of what it looks like to recognize that our our uh, the calling that we have in our life right now is not just to meet the needs of the child, but, but maybe what it looks like to connect that child to what they need is actually connecting the parent to what right. they need and connecting with that parent. And just simply asking them, how can we serve you in this season of, of remote ministry? What does it look like for us to come alongside you? Because I know as a mom, um, that, that my husband and I both work full time. And so with our kids home right now, there's a lot of things that are being asked of us. So for someone to come alongside and and ask me to like, say just, Hey, what do you need right now to help your Sparky walk through, uh, this, this place of discipleship, man, now that's a conversation, right? That's what, Absolutely. that's a that's amazing. So Karen, I just want to wrap this up with just, just thanking you so much. Um, the, the way that you and your team down at Boca Raton community church are inspiring the community that you serve. Um, you truly are being the hands and feet of Jesus during this time. And so I thank you for your dedication. I thank you for your commitment. And, and most of all, Karen, I just thank you so much for truly saying, I'm going to walk into the presence of my God, the the God that I love, God that I serve. And I'm just going to invite the children that are, that are around me to do the same, come alongside with me. Um, Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for all that you're doing, Karen. Thank you, Melanie.
0: The Resilient Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode. And go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Thanks to Kevin Orris and Phil Wallace for making the podcast happen. And thank you for listening talk to you on Thursday.